Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It is that time of the weekend. Welcome to the Believe in NBA Prospect Show. I am your host, Harris Rubenstein, who has literally not stopped moving since about last Thursday. Across from me is my co-host, Michael Maxey. Michael, I am tired. I am sick. My house looks like a bomb went off in it, and I am moving in three days. My life is going great. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing excellent here. Just, you know, <laughs> catching up on some basketball. <laughs> I'm going crazy, Michael. I'm literally losing my mind. I like. I, I woke up this morning, it being Thursday, March 28th. I just completely forgot that March Madness comes back today. I didn't even realize it until like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't like the five-day layoff or four-day layoff. I don't like it. I, I, I don't mind. It's good for the kids. The kids have to, you know, like rest and, you know, train and be okay. Like, that's just a lot of basketball to play in a week. It is a lot of basketball. But, uh, yeah, they're back tonight. And you know, I think we have a bunch of good games in the Sweet 16. We do. And, and also, Michael, we – we, we are obviously basketball people, but I extend to you a, a gracious, happy opening day to you. One of the one of the best days of the sports calendar. Well, um, not very much of a baseball fan, if that's what, if that's what you're going with. Uh, so basically, well, so basically I am a football fan. I am a fanatic when it comes to basketball. And then when it comes to baseball, that's my movie season. So that's when I go to the movies. And- <laughs> And I go on vacation, and I I shut down Twitter. Um, yeah, that's my off season. That's yeah. You know, I I I respect that. Uh, but as someone who played about fifteen to sixteen years of baseball throughout all of middle school, high school, it uh, has a very near and dear place to my heart. So I'm happy that the Red Sox are coming back today. But uh, it's okay. It's okay. Baseball's not for everyone, especially because it's so so long. Uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael, we have a couple fun topics that we're going to go over today. Usually you and I try to keep things relatively positive, but that is not the nature of our show today. You and I are going to go through the top fallers from March Madness so far. We all know who's playing well. If they're playing well, they're still in the tournament. But if they're not, we're going to discuss who has fallen in some of our draft boards. And then... We're going to finish it off by giving the people at home what they want, what the people deserve. You and I are going to give out some sweet picks for the Sweet 16. Sound good? That sounds wonderful. All right. Let's start with a couple fallers. I'll start with one, and then you can nab one as well. I've been really high on this guy. I was hoping he'd use the tournament to kind of like jump up a level, and he didn't really do it. it. It breaks my heart to say this, but Bruno Fernando just wasn't very impressive to me. I was hoping that he would kind of like take a leap forward, maybe show off a little bit more of an offensive game. It could totally be Maryland's fault because their offense, as described to us, is a clogged toilet, which makes a lot of sense. But I don't know, Michael. I ended up being more impressed by his teammate Jalen Smith than I did of Fernando, and it was kind of disappointing. Yeah, I mean, he, he was good, but not great. If you wanted him to be great, he just wasn't great, and I think, uh, there's a bunch of players that have been great in this tournament, and, and he was mm-hmm. just good. I mean, he was good, but not great, if that makes sense. Um, Nas Reed kind of had his way with him, but you're right. Maryland does not know how to use him and Smith together. It's 
a, like you said, a clogged toilet. I'm I'm hoping that the that he well obviously he's not the same caliber of prospect, but I'm hoping it's similar to what happened with DeAndre Ayton in Arizona, which for whatever reason I I don't understand Sean Miller, uh, the coach of Arizona. I don't understand him. I can't tell if he's a good basketball coach, if he's a bad basketball coach. I just I can't tell. I've never been able to for whatever reason. He just he forced Arizona to play DeAndre Ayton with another center, which made no sense. And that's exactly what Maryland did with Bruno Fernando. It's like, why do you have another big man playing next to him? You're just clogging up all the lanes. Get another shooter in there. Uh, you're exactly right. But I like like I know I've said this before, but they could have utilized Bruno Fernando's passing ability and run a little high low sets you know, move Bruno around a little bit that, that could have avoided the clogged toilet effect. But you're right. The, the two big men in, in the middle, basically, it just it, it made the, the uh, cutting lanes and the, the passing lanes and everything was just clogged. I'm also a little worried because Maryland big men have not fared very well in the NBA recently. I mean, Alex Len was a massive bust. I don't even know if Diamond Stone is even in the league. <laughs> No, I think he's in, I think he's in the G League, but or five star prospect Diamond Stone <laughs> did nothing as a freshman at Maryland and thought, yeah, I'm ready for the NBA. It was so strange. I'll never understand why he came out. Uh yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> that was a mistake. All right, so Bruno Fernando is one for me. Who's a guy that's disappointed for you? Well, and I know you're probably going to disagree with this, but I'm going to go with Nikhil Alexander Walker, and I know really? about. And I know Vontech's still in the tournament. I just, I wanted to see him take all of our games and just, like, impose his will. But that's not really who he is, though. Like, I, he was he hasn't been that all year. I, I understand that, but I'm thinking that, like, like other guys have. Like, Nasir Little is back in the top ten talk. He's playing great. Some of these guys, I think, have just, like, maybe jumped ahead of him. That maybe uh, Brandon Clark, Rui Hachimura, I think these guys have, Jumped ahead of Walker. Um, I could see Walker slipping outside the 20s. Um, okay. I, 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 he's still a first-rounder in my book. And I know he plays a lot of point guard, and I'm not sure that's not necessarily his best position. He shouldn't be playing point. <laughs> but he does run a lot of their offense, and, and I know it, it, he's more trying to get players involved. I, I just think the other players have stepped up, like uh, Kobe White. I think that his stock is going through the roof. And uh, it's – I just wish – I was looking for a little bit more assertiveness, I guess. See, the, I think the difference between you and me when it comes to Alexander Walker, I, I never expected him to be that guy. Like, just my expectations for him at the NBA level, I want him to be a complimentary shooter. I want him to be the two guard that can be a safe player to put next to your superstar point guard or or someone that can carry your guard unit on a second, you know, for your second rotation. So for me, he's, he's looked exactly like the guy I thought he was. When you let him shoot, he can knock down buckets. When you don't let him shoot, he can't really do anything else. <laughs> like he's still the same. The, the, the game that they had against St. Louis um, was hilarious because his, his entire game is, will I get the ball to shoot? If so, I will lead the team in scoring. If I don't get the ball to shoot, I'll end up with like four points. And that's what happened in their second game against Liberty. He was a complete nobody. I think he had like eight points. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. He ended up with six points. Yeah. I, no, two for me from the floor. It's just I I just want – I've been waiting for him to give me 
something to make me think he's a lottery pick. And I just haven't seen it. And that's why I have, uh, I'm a little bit lower on him right now. And I think a lot of other players have, have really helped their stock. Brandon Clark, I know you've always had him high, but I'm like, I'm completely dumbfounded. I didn't see this coming. Um, you know, and I think, uh, I, like I said, Nasir Little's got himself back in the freaking top 10 talk. It's, I'm Nasir Little. But that's Ugh. crazy, though. He's actually. Come on, man. Are we really, really going to try to push Nasir Little? Like, he's going to go top 10. You and I both know this. We have no control of the NBA draft. But, like, but, it's he. See, like, th- this is the thing that where I think you and I disagree with with Nas Reed. I actually was going to, well, not with Nas Reed and Nasir Little. I was actually going to put him on my followers list. He was actually going to be the next guy I brought up. Well, well, I mean, that's fair enough because I didn't think he stood out. Like, I thought he was great during the SEC tournament. And I thought he was blah during the, uh, you know, first two rounds. So, I, I, I mean. Well, who, Nas or Nasir Little? Nas, uh, Nas Reed. Okay, okay. Well, they both disappointed me. Because I, I have a question for you. Because, actually, I'm going to put both of them on my followers list. I have a question for you, Michael. Yes, sir. Because it's one of my favorite questions. What do either of the, those guys do well? I don't want to hear about their weaknesses. I don't want to hear about, oh, he's, he's athletic and he's long. Those aren't things they do well. Those are just things about them. What does Nasir – like every single time I watch Nasir Little play for UNC, I ask the same question. What is he doing to help them win? Because to me, he just looks like a dude out there who can get a rebound. Like I, I've not seen a single special thing throughout this whole tournament from him. Well, I will give you that. Um, I do think that Nasir Little has been very efficient in the first two rounds of the tournament. Like I said, we haven't seen this Nasir Little all season. So is this just, uh, wow, the draft's around the corner, I better boost my stock up Nasir Little? Or is this he's finally getting it? You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking that. Uh, I mean, or is it Nasir Little when UNC is dominating because Kobe White's incredible and UNC has had to play Iona and Washington? Well, you, that, <laughs> right. That's the other thing. I mean, he's been super efficient, which he hasn't been all season. His jump shot is really weak. His um, He his, can't shoot at all. That dude trying to shoot is a laughingstock. Agreed. Agreed. And he, he, he came in as the Zion stopper. But his defense has been poor. It's 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 absolutely funny. He can't stop dudes that are bigger than him. No, but uh, and and Nas Reed is the exact same, by the way. Yeah, I thought Nas Reed had some problems with Fernando as well and Smith. I really did. Uh, and yeah, Jalen Smith was all over him all game. That's who he kept going after. Yeah, and I th- and I think um, Nasir Little, and uh, I mean he's super athletic, obviously, but he uses that athletic ability to get rebounds but is he going to be able to do that at the uh, NBA level that's my only problem I think his stock is going back up because everyone's going to see that his last two games and be like wow this is the guy we thought when but like what what's but like what's the wow like that's kind of my point like every time I watch Nasir Little I just see a dude who's big and then you watch him he's like oh he's a big dude who's who's athletic yeah, but there are hundreds of those guys. Like he is—he's a dude who I can't really put my finger on because, I, I mean, what what is he just going to be like Brandon Bass in the NBA or something? He's just big and he's just like a big body. Like I don't even know what he does well. Like every time I watch him, I just kind of walk away like Cam Johnson's better. Cam Johnson is doing everything this year. Little is doing except oh yeah, Cam Johnson can score at a pretty elite level for a college player. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, don't get me started on Cam Johnson. That dude is his his jumper is silky smooth. That dude can ball. <laughs> that guy is going to have a long NBA career. He may not be a starter. He may get spot minutes as a starter, but he's definitely going to be in a second uh, unit rotation. That dude can ball. And North Carolina, and like you said, and I agree with you 100%, and I'm not, when I say that his stock is rising, I don't necessarily say that. It's my opinion that his stock should be rising. I'm just saying in general, mm-hmm. I think Mr. Little's stock seems to be maybe a little bit back up on the upswing. I personally think there's other players better. I think his he's the third best player. He's probably the fourth best player on this team. Um, I had him as a top five recruit or a top five uh, pick possibly coming out as a, as a recruit. Um, he's definitely slowly moved down my draft boards. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know what to think of him, to be honest with you, because you're right. I have not seen anything else that makes me think that this guy is going to be elite in the NBA. But I will say this, and there is one thing that gives me hope about his NBA game is that his high school statistics very much look like his UNC statistics where like his his freshman and sophomore seasons in high school were crap. He very much he the, the tag late bloomer is exactly what Nasir Little is. But my issue with it is like how long can you give a guy in the NBA if you're picking him in the top 10 to quote unquote bloom? Like even someone like Justice Winslow, who you and I both like, like it's taken him almost what three full seasons to bloom. And I think that I Justice Winslow is a far superior prospect than Nasir Little is coming out. So that's my problem is like, like let's say he gets drafted like by the heat or by the magic or the Hornets or something like I just, I just don't like. I don't know what his best case scenario is, and that's always been my problem with Nasir Little. But I don't want to talk about Nasir Little anymore because I want to, I want to get to another guy. Okay. Um, another dude who I want to talk about in terms of a guy who has fallen. It, I don't really know if you can like really consider him a faller because I'm not really a hundred percent sure how high or how low like kind of specific people have had him. Carson Edwards from Villanova or from Purdue, I, he is a high volume, low efficiency scorer who is playing quite well for Purdue. But p- people have been tweeting at me that he's a first round pick and he's all this stuff. I, I don't see it. I see a dude who needs to take twenty four shots to get twenty four points. That's not great. Well, the only thing I will say in the positive towards Carson Edwards is is when he's on, Purdue's on. And when he's off, Purdue's off. So they need him to put up whatever, 40 shots, 42 points, whatever he needs to score. They need that. As far as... Like, he was electric against Villanova. Like, he he was outrageous against them. But then, like, against Old Dominion the game earlier, he was 7 of 23 for 26 points against Old Dominion. Well, like, it's just so strange. I would not make him a first-round pick. I think he's probably comfortable just because he's a, 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 a good scorer and can score in bunches. He's definitely a second-round pick. I think he gets drafted. I don't think there's any way he gets drafted. I think he should try to come back another year because I believe he's a junior. Try to come back another year. If he comes back another year and can maybe refine his point guard skills, if he could be a possible first-round pick. Without those point guard skills, 
I, he's nothing more than an undersized two guard coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. And I agree. And I don't. And I don't think those are first round picks. That's fair. I, I just for for me, I just don't see. I, I'm like, if you want to draft him around where Jalen Brunson got drafted last year at the Mavs, like, fine, that's okay. I just don't know if this guy should be going top 25 in the draft. Another guy, by the way, uh, I know we just, we're just we still talking about that Purdue-Villanova game. Eric Paschal is another dude who I, I think I'm officially out on him. I just don't know what his fit is in the NBA. Like, wh- wh- where in what situation would he ever be an elite player? He's not an elite scorer. He's not an elite rebounder or defender. He's just kind of a good all-around basketball player. But a lot of times, those guys aren't the best NBA fits. Um, as far as Pascal goes, I would, I've not, I, I've done uh, one round mock drafts and I've done two round mock drafts, and I've never put him in either. So I, I, wow. I've not been very high on him. I have him almost like on the outside looking in of the second round. Uh, I, my thing is, is like you said, not an elite rebounder, not an elite scorer. He's a nice shooter. He, he reminds me of a guy who's going to be in the G League, who's going to get his uh, act together and maybe become a better shooter and get, you know, 10-day call-ups. That's kind of how Pascal, uh, his career kind of makes me think it's going to go. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I'll never give you that one. By the way, an, a guy who you and I have been ragging on a ton this year who's actually had a pretty good tournament so far, and I say pretty good and I say so far because – you know, they still look, clearly have a bunch of games left to go. You know who's looked a lot better the past couple games? Who's that? Cam Reddish. Look at him go. <laughs> Cam- They've actually found a way to fit him in the offense that isn't a complete disaster. He was great against UCF, hit arguably the biggest shot of their season so far. That three was huge. That was one of the biggest shots he's ever taken in his life. Yeah, he's uh, he has hit a couple big shots this year. Um, but you're right. We've been we we've ragged on him for good reason, though. Um, mm-hmm. I finally moved him out of my top five, and then he goes and does that. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep him out of my top five for now. But I got him when I say out of my top five, I got him ranked sixth. So it's not like it's not like I just dropped him completely out of the top ten. So I I, I still have him ranked sixth. I still know what he can do at this uh you know at the college level. I just would like to see him do it with more consistency. I was talking to a dude the other day that was asking me, like, what happened to Cam Reddish this year? And like, I was trying to come to terms with it. Like, I did a full film study on him. I watched, like, 12 to 13 of his games from the past year. I just I watched specifically Cam Reddish. His shot is fine. Yep. Like, is fun. Like, I mean, you know, he's still a 19-year-old kid. You can always find improvements. But, like, it's not like he has some crazy broken shot like Lonzo or some weird hitch that, like, shows you we can't. Like, remember MKG when he came out? He had that wildly awkward jump shot. He's got nothing like that. His jumper looks fine. These boys just don't go in the hoop. Yeah. It's, it's so strange. It is funny because you're right. His jumper does look pure. Looks like his release points at the right spot. Looks beautiful. It, it, and he just did nothing goes in. <laughs> I'm I'm with you. Like even watching Duke, I've been like, oh man, oh reddish, oh that's going in, and it, it clanks it. I'm like, oh, clanks. It looked good. I mean, a lot of times it looks good, um, leaving the leaving the fingertips. You know, 
Like when I watch my see, he's the opposite of Kobe White to me. Cause every time that Kobe White takes a shot, I'm like, that's gonna be a brick, and it just swishes in like no problem. And then Cam Reddish takes a shot, I'm like, oh, that's a beautiful shot, and it clangs off the back rim like it wasn't even close. That's funny. It's so that's funny you say that because every time Kobe White takes a shot to a grimace, I'm like, oh no, because he takes like, and his shot selection's awful, but they go in. Well, he he has he has col- he is he is college star shot selection, which means that Roy Williams has told him, yeah, just shoot whatever the hell you want and figure it out later. So many of those shots that they had versus Washington, you're like. No, that's not going in. And it just whoosh right in. It was beautiful. Kobe White's game against Washington, I think, was one of the most entertaining individual games of any NBA draft prospect this year. He was flying. He was all over the place. It was so much fun to watch. Every year I, like, pick a draft prospect who I, like, who I just fall in love with. And I just, like, that's all I care about is that draft prospect. For some reason, I got, like, four of them this year. And Kobe White is one of them. Obviously, Jared Culver, my love for him is – it's ridiculous. But Kobe White's another one. Mm-hmm. I get excited when he plays. Like, I'm like, oh, oh, North Carolina's on? I got to watch him. Because that guy – Here comes Kobe White. Guy, and, then, and then he comes down the court so fast. He Half the time, he looks like he's going to lose the dribble. It's, it's crazy. He's so fast. His dribble looks so awkward. He doesn't look mm-hmm. – I'll be like, oh, man, he, this guy is not a point guard. And I'll be like, holy cow, did you see that pass? Holy cow, look at his court fishing. The guy is the most ridiculous, uh, unsuspecting superstar in college basketball I've ever remembered. Mm-hmm. He, he's fun. He's a super fun player. One other guy uh, to mention before we get back to a couple uh, couple fallers, I want to talk about Culver because I don't, I, I don't get it. Again, like the whole, just like most most of the time in college basketball, what ends up happening is that you have your full regular season, and then a lot of the times the tournament is just a, a representation of the entire season in a couple of weeks. And the same thing again is happening to Jarrett Culver, who has been fantastic so far through two games of the tournament. I feel like I've seen his. I feel like I've heard his name like twice. Uh He's been great. He was amazing in their first game. Like everyone was talking about John Morant and his triple double. Uh, Jared Culver was maybe even better in his first tournament game. He dropped twenty-seven, eight and seven. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why he doesn't get um because uh, he doesn't have a thundery stunks or play for Duke. That's why he doesn't get a mention. Fair. Um, but yeah, the guy is a stud, and I've been holding back, and I. See, like every week, I like move him up one more spot. I move him up one more spot, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, he's definitely better than this guy." And I move him up one one more spot. And right now, I got him ranked fourth. And I'm gonna tell you right now, uh, RJ Barrett is one six for eighteen game away from me moving him up another spot. So I, I, in in John Morant, as I, much as I love John Morant, I would not be surprised if say like Atlanta gets a second pick and goes for Culver. I just wouldn't. It's just... Well, that's the reason why I have Culver over Morant on my draft board. Like, a lot of it is kind of skill and fit in the NBA. I just think Culver's going to be an easier fit. Morant will be the bigger star, but Culver, to me, is just a guy who can fit on almost every team. But where the two of them go in the draft will very much go by the, who's picking. Like, Because, yeah. you know, if the Cavs get the number two pick, they're not going to take Morant. They just took a point guard last year so it's all about fit yeah you're 100 right i think phoenix and, and chicago they get the number two pick 
I think you're going to probably see Morant. And I think even if the Knicks with Dennis Smith Jr. get the number one pick, they'll take Morant just for flash. So, yeah, well, if, yeah, if, if they don't get Zion in there too, they'll definitely take Morant. I mean, what what is Dennis Smith Jr. going to be? What stops you from taking maybe the best player in college coming out yeah. this year? I don't yeah. know. I, I don't I think agree. so. But other than that, I, you're right. I, I'm man. I love Culver. I, I might move mm-hmm. him up when I get home. But yeah, I got I got him <laughs> ranked number four right now, and um, yeah, his he could get as high as number two. It might be time. Might be time indeed. You guys are listening to the Believe in NBA Prospect Show. I'm your host Harris Rubenstein. Across from me is my co-host Michael Maxi. Michael, let's do one more or one more faller each before you and I end up choosing between, excuse me, a couple of Sweet 16 matchups. How's that sound? Perfect. So one guy, I'm not saying he's a riser or that he's a faller. This is just one guy I kind of want to throw at you to see where you have him from a draft idea, all right? So that so not technically a faller, so I'm kind of cheating, but I don't care. It's our show. Fair enough. <laughs> what do you make of Admiral Schofield as an NBA prospect? Because to me, he seems like he'd be a really great guard to have in your second unit from a leadership perspective. But I also don't know if his game is going to translate to the NBA level. Uh, right now, I got him like uh, I'd have to check my rankings, but I think I got him in the 40s. So that puts him about a second round pick. A little tidbit from him. He's from Zion, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago and, tw- and 20 minutes south of where I grew up. So I, I have been watching his career a little bit. Um, I, I do think he he's going to have to be a guard at the NBA level, but I think his game's more like a like a forward. I would say he's like a combo. Yeah, forward. and 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 but he's way undersized, and I don't think he brings enough forward attributes for um, to be a full time forward. I well here here we'll, we'll remain consistent. Do you know, what, Michael, he's not a forward. He's not a guard. He's a wing. Okay, fair enough. He's a wing. There we go. Okay, so as a wing, I think, you know, he the guy's a beast, and he's got a good enough jumper, a good enough three-point shot where I think he's going to stick. I think he's a second-round pick. Um, I like his leadership abilities. I like his, uh, his personality, his demeanor. I think he's going to be uh, a co- very coachable, and I, I think he's going to be one of them second-round picks players that comes out and maybe becomes uh, not a star, but like uh, a guy who, who you didn't expect to amount to anything who was a second round pick. I mean, I, lo- I, yeah, I, I like his game. I, he's a nice, I do too. I just, I find that like a lot of these college guys who are exciting at that level, you know, just if their bodies aren't correct and their game is still a little bit tricky, then they don't usually translate. Like, He's not an elite three-point shooter. He's not an elite shooter from the mid-range. He's not an amazing finisher. He's not an amazing defender. Like for, for me, the guys I always stay away from, which is why I don't like Nas Reed or Nasir Little. It's guys who, when I am watching them, I know that NBA, you know, obviously, you know, uh, analysis and things go a little bit deeper than this. But for the people who want to get into NBA draft stuff, the easiest thing to do is to deduce a: what does this person do well? What is the number one thing as soon as you're watching them that sticks out to you? And to me, for Admiral, it's that he's a good leader on the court. Yeah, absolutely. Here's the problem. That doesn't matter. Uh, no. Because <laughs> he, is, he is most likely not going to be put into a position in the NBA where he is asked to be that on-court leader. 
it's just not not going to happen for someone of his caliber. So I'm just not really sure what's going to happen to him. I think, like, no offense to him. He's going to be a great G-leaguer. Like, he's going to be one of those dudes that leads a G-league team to a championship. But I just don't know what his NBA oh, game I could is. Oh, I could see him dominating in the G-league, absolutely. Scoring 25, 26 points a game, absolutely. All right. All right, Michael, do you have one more follow that you want to bring up before we make some Sweet 16 picks? Some Sweet 16 I do, picks? and I'm going to stick with the disappointing Villanova team and go with Phil Booth. I just think that uh, I wanted to see – I really thought Villanova was just going to uh, uh, pound Purdue. I thought that they were going to be able to bottle them up, and, and no one stood up. No one stood out. No one played well. And I know a lot of people have Phil Booth as a first-round pick. I'm not one of them. What? Uh, who has Phil Booth as a first-round pick? I've seen a few old mock drafts with him as a first-round pick. I think that's insane. I do not. What? Yeah. He's a senior point guard who has had like like a Kiwi – I mean, he's had like a couple good years of – he had one technical good year of college. I mean, even last year he was pretty average. That's what average. happens when you're in the business we are. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm it, – It's it, weird. I would not put him as a first-round pick at all. And I just don't think – I don't even know if I, I don't even know if he'll get drafted. I really don't. I just think he didn't. I was expecting more out of him. Well, see, that's why I'm. That's why I was so confused when you first brought up Phil Booth because, see, the key to Phil Booth was to not have any expectations at all, and then when he didn't play well, realized, well, yeah, that's why I didn't have any expectations well, for him. <laughs> well, that is fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's just a. I'm I've been so impressed with all the players that are made it to the Sweet 16. I don't think anyone's really hurt their stock. If someone's stock is going down. It's more because someone jumped them, if, if that makes sense. I think there's a lot of guys mm-hmm. who really, really improved their stock. I think Brandon Clark could be a top 10 pick now. I didn't think that before. I think he is a top yeah. 10 pick now, man. He has been unbelievable. I just A team is going to look at their draft board and try to decide between Grant Williams and Brandon Clark, who, by the way, two very similar players. Not in a bad way. I mean, it's good that they're similar because they're both so good. But I, I don't know about you. I think this tournament has kind of confirmed to me that Brandon Clark over Grant Williams is the right decision. Uh, you know what? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you're going to see, I'm going to do a new big board after the tournament's over. And uh, you're going to see uh, a big movement with Brandon Clark on mine. And I, a lot of it is because, yes, he could be a small ball four, but I think he's, I think he could be a stud small forward too. I really do. I think he's athletic enough. I think he can guard threes. I think he can guard fours. Um, it just, I'm very impressed with him. Uh, his 36-point outburst in the mm-hmm. tournament. Uh, I mean, he basically carried Gonzaga. He was all Gonzaga. And he, he shoots so efficiently. He's shooting like 70% from the field. That's crazy. Oh, he's and, nuts. And, and he's a great yeah, defender. And, and his mid-range game seems to be okay. If he could just uh, consistently hit a three-pointer. I, I, dude, if he, could, if he could hit a three-pointer and add that element to his game the problem is that's the thing like the problem is that like if he was coming out in the year 2006 he'd probably be a top seven pick but it's 2019 so we might drop out of the lottery well, that's it i think um as you, as you know watching the nba and following the nba that uh is if you are a uh, a stud defender and if you have any kind of holes in your offense they will work with they will they will find a place for you and they will work mm-hmm. on your offense there are Andre Robersons in this world who, who don't get many touches, but are all-star defenders at the wing positions. So there's going to be a spot for Brandon Clark, and I have him ranked ahead of Grant Williams because I think he's more versatile than Grant Williams. I think Grant Williams is basic, basically just mm-hmm. an undersized small ball four. 
And I, th- and yep, I think Brandon agreed. and Clark can play multiple positions. I really do. Yeah. One, one other guy I want to bring up for you before we move on to our Sweet 16 picks, because you, you absolutely called it. He's been fantastic. And the more and more I watch him, he's, he's a first-round pick. Louis King. Why? He, he has been sensational. Time. You know what? The problem with him is he doesn't get enough touches. Well, that the problem is that he might go back to college for another year. If he goes back to college for another year, I will applaud him because he's a top 10 pick next year. You know? Oh, for well, next year, yeah. This year, he's probably a top 20 pick. I mean, if he comes out of the draft this year, he's going to get picked up as a wing in someone from like the 20 to 25 range. Someone is going to get an absolute steal at the end of the first round if he comes oh, out. Oh, absolutely. And his shot looks so silky smooth. He does not... Oh, he, he does beautiful. not have the uh, the the flow that Cam Johnson has, but it's pretty darn good, man. I really, you know what that? I like. You know what I like. I like six nine, two hundred pound wings who can shoot threes and play and defense, what? who are also freshmen coming from a big that, time program. Those are the guys too, I like. And that's exactly what he is. I'm telling you, I would take him in the lottery. I don't think anyone else will, but that's just me because I think that this is a guy that you might have to sit down for a year, maybe two, and wait till he develops. Um, but, yeah, I really love his game. Really love his game. I think – So you you and I – you and I have talked extensively about how we like prospects who step up in correct. big games. Correct? Absolutely. Since the quarterfinal of the Pac-12 tournament – 20 points against Utah, 19 points against Arizona State, 15 points on four of seven shooting against Washington, 17 points against Wisconsin in the tournament, and 16 points against UCI in the most recent round. The one thing that I want to see a little bit more from Louis King, you are 6'9", 205 pounds. You play in the Pac-12. What are you doing doing only averaging five rebounds a game? (laughs) I knew you were going to go there. Five? I mean, I know they keep him far away from the basket on the defensive end. I totally understand that part. But let, I would like to see him crash the boards a little bit more. He's got a lot of size. Oh, yeah. He definitely needs to – he probably needs to bulk up a little bit, get stronger. But, yeah, definitely needs to improve that rebounding. Um, but, like and, – and I don't know if you've noticed this, but every time Oregon went on a run, it was during a stretch where Louis King was shooting the ball and scoring. And, and I mm-hmm. think – and I'm I, big king guy. And I'm I think around that's a big testament to how good of a player he's going to become. Agreed. Agreed. You guys are listening to the Believe in NBA Prospects show. I'm your host, Harris Rubenstein. Across from me is my co-host, Michael Maxey. Go follow him on Twitter at Maximum Hoops NBA. You can follow me on Twitter at Sportsteen. And, of course, you can follow uh, Up and Under NBA on Twitter at Up and Under NBA. Of course, our partners at Dash Radio and Believe Pos- uh, Pro- bleh, Podcast. I am all over the place today. Please go follow them on social media at Believe Podcast, B-L-E-A-V Podcast, and then at Dash underscore radio. All right, Michael, before we get out of here, because I have so much that I need to do. <laughs> Moving, by the way, everyone on the podcast, we won't have a podcast next week. I'm actually moving to New Jersey to start my new job with the NBA 2K League. Go team. But I'm also exhausted. I have a lot to do. So, Michael, we're going to finish the show off on a high note. Let's make some sweet 16 picks, and then we'll do an updated who we think is going to win the tournament. 
because who knows the next time we're going to be on. So let's start with the Sweet 16. Duke versus Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm going to take a very close game, but I'm going to go with the Dukies. As am I. I uh, just Zion has been so, so good through two games. You can also tell that Zion was so hungry to get back on the floor. That's what I love. He's just so ready to dominate in this tournament. He's been yes, fantastic. He LSU versus Michigan I'm going State. to – man, I think this is going to be a barn burner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Michigan State. Ooh. I'm going to go with Michigan State. Cassius Winston, I think, is going to come up with some big clutch uh, shots down the down the stretch, and uh, they're going to pull out a squeaker. I'm actually going to go the other way. I'm going to go with LSU. I think that they have the hot hand right now with uh, with with their point guard Waters. He's been great. I think Nas Reed is going to be the most athletic guy on the floor for both teams, regardless of whether or not I think he's going to be a good NBA player. Uh, athleticism matters in the in uh, in college, and I think that LSU is actually going to pull off the Fair upset enough. here. Gonzaga versus Florida wow. State. Well, part of me, wa- part of me Tough wants one. to take Florida State, but I think Brandon Clark is going to come in big time and have another big game, and I'm going to take Gonzaga and another close one. I'm also going to take Gonzaga. I know we've been talking a lot about the length and athleticism and depth of Florida State. There's just one problem. When you get to the Sweet 16 and you're in these games, top-end talent shows up, and Gonzaga's got a lot of length. A lot of size and a lot of scoring of their own. I think Gonzaga is actually going to run away with it. I don't think it's going to be Fair as enough. close as you think. All right, into the West. All right, into the West. Texas Tech versus Michigan. I'm riding Michigan. my boy. I'm riding in Jerry Culver. I'm going to. Yeah. I'm taking Texas Tech. There you Tech. go. As am Absolutely. I. Perfect. Me too. Red Raiders. This is an easy one. I actually think that the Red Raiders might upset Gonzaga, but we'll get to that later. How about Kentucky versus I think, Houston? I think Tyler Hero is going to come out of his shooting slump, and I think he's going to put up 20 points. I think. I think they're going to run away with this game. Really? Yes. Really? I think their defense is going to clamp down on Houston, and I think you're going to see Tyler Hero uh, with some big big buckets, and I think they're going to run away with it. Probably. Is P.J. Washington playing? If P.J. Washington plays, this is a a hands-down win for Kentucky. If PJ Washington plays, they win. If PJ Washington does not, they lose. Do not look over this Houston team. They may not have any big time guys. They can score, man. You don't go 33 and 3 in a season if you don't have legit talent on you. I like this Houston team a lot. Let's go to our next game. UNC versus Auburn. I, I, I agree. I'm going with UNC. I think Kobe, I don't, I don't know a single guy on Auburn who can slow down Kobe White or even Cam Johnson for that matter. <laughs> Purdue versus Tennessee. Me too. I think Grant Williams might drop 30 in this game. I don't know who they have to cover him. That Isaac Harms guy is a great rim protector. I, I, I He's just a big white dude. <laughs> At the end of the day, Grant Williams should be able to defeat a big white dude. So, <laughs> UVA versus Oregon. Hmm. 
I'm going to Oregon. Keep the Cinderella story alive. Go Pac-12. Everyone kept giving them all this crap this year. And, of course, they have a team in the Sweet 16. <laughs> I love it. I love the karma of this, by the way. All the college basketball people all year long. Blah, blah, blah. The Pac-12 sucks. Blah, blah, blah. And here comes 12-seed Oregon without bowl ball just running over people. I love it. I'm going to take Oregon. I actually think that they're going to upset UVA. As much as I like UVA, they've shown a real tendency in this tournament to kind of get behind offensively. And so far, the two teams that they've played, I mean – you know, Oklahoma's a good offensive team, but they were a very easy team for Virginia to stop. I think Oregon's going to be a little bit more difficult of a matchup problem, but I'll tell you this much. I don't know about you, Michael. DeAndre Hunter versus Louis King, sign me up, baby. Sign me up. That's a marquee matchup in the uh, in the Sweet 16. Give me, me a lot of fun. All right, Michael, let's head out of here. Are you doing anything fun this weekend? Mm-hmm. Good luck to her. And uh, of course, for me, I will be moving to New Jersey on Sunday. So my weekend will be eating a lot of great barbecue and packing up my entire apartment. <laughs> it's going to be going to be a grand old time. All right, Michael, it's time for us to go. Thank you guys for listening to the Believe in NBA Prospect show. Again, go follow Michael on Twitter at Maximum Hoops NBA. Go follow me on Twitter at SportsDean. For all your NBA news and coverage, if you're a fan of video games and also of the NBA, make sure you check out the NBA 2K League starting on April 2nd this year. Michael, see you in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.